Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. My name is Sam Watson, I'm a 19 year old entrepreneur originally from North London but I'm now living and studying in Paris. The Enterprising Gen Z podcast is a weekly show where I talk to some of the top entrepreneurs and industry professionals from around the world to inspire and empower the next generation of business leaders. On this week's show I'm talking to Amy Anderson who's the Chief Operating Officer at Ecoflix. Ecoflix is the first non-profit media group dedicated to saving animals on the planet. We're going to talk all about how Ecoflix is battling against some of the massive streaming giants like Netflix and Amazon Prime. If you're listening, please feel free to tap that follow button or that subscribe button wherever you're listening from. That'll be absolutely fantastic. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, Amy, how are you doing? I'm good, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Pleasure. Yeah, so... I just wanted you to um, kind of introduce yourself and tell everybody a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Amy Anderson and I'm Chief Operating Officer at Ecoflix, which is a new startup, non-profit streaming platform um, dedicated to saving animals on the planet, basically. Um, But yeah, I've had a big background in um, film publicity, marketing, and I've had set up a few businesses and this is a new startup that I'm involved in. Awesome. Um, So we were talking earlier about your career change. So you were kind of, uh, you always wanted to start your own business but your journey to entrepreneurship um, was quite interesting you mentioned so do you want to just tell us a bit about that? Yeah sure so I mean I guess um, when I was younger I always thought I would be at one of the big companies you know and to begin with I thought it would be Disney because I was always passionate about film and I thought god if I could work for any company it would be Disney so being in a massive corporate getting into film was really difficult and I ended up working for a PR, a global PR agency that worked with big brands like, you know, Gillette and, you know, Carlsberg and British Airways and things like that. Finally managed to make my way into film um, through a partnership that Hewlett Packard had with the British Film Institute. So that then got me my contacts in film and was introduced to an agency called DDA, which is an amazing film and TV PR agency and very specialist in the film and TV space and ended up getting a job there that I should really never have got um, because I didn't have the film background or the experience but I did have a lot of corporate experience that got me into them and I was working with them for about 10 years set up I kind of realized that I looking back on it that I was a bit of an entrepreneur which is basically when you're in a corporate environment and you set up new companies within the safety of a company so obviously I had um, a salary and I set up a new brand division at at DDA which hadn't been done up until that point and so it was a new you know new direction for for the business and we started working with companies like Electrolux who were sponsoring the Cannes Film Festival um, in a sort of strange strange approach but work when you figured out why they were doing it it was about bringing Michelin star dining to the Cannes Film Festival was genius Um, and we worked with Hewlett Packard again we were working with Red Bull, Swarovski, loads of brands that were using film in a really interesting way but that was new for DDA it was a new direction and it was something that I set up and it was very successful for a while and um, and like I said looking back that was sort of you know it was showing that I kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit and that entrepreneurial mindset, but I just wasn't aware of it because, you know, when I was, um, you know, kind of at school, it really was thought that you'd go to, you know, big jobs and, you know, work for these big companies, you know, it really wasn't about having your own business. Nobody really did that. And if you did, 
it was scary. People would say to you, oh my God, you've got your own business. Are you mad? God, that's very brave. And, you know, it was always this fear that you'd get. And um, I had an idea to set up an agency that was um, very different. It was getting brands to invest in film and television that would change the world. And I left a very um, good and stable job to do that, which went against everything that I ever thought. Because I used to tell people, whatever you do, don't leave a job with nothing to go to. That's crazy. And actually, that's what I ended up doing. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it was scary at times because you didn't know when your next paycheck was coming from. But um, it was, I, I don't think I could ever go back to a typical corporate job ever again because it, I realized that this is my natural equilibrium this is where I thrive you know being you know kind of the master of my own ship if you like and um yeah I I just I just don't think I could go back there which is yeah quite something because I don't think my younger self would have thought that yeah no I uh I, I kind of agree with you I want to kind of experience the corporate world slightly but I think at the end of the day it will always be me running my own business again like being the captain of my own ship I think that's kind of yeah. where I'm headed to and we also discussed earlier on the call we just had about some of the things which are killing small businesses um, and some of the stuff you said was really really interesting I'd love you to go uh, into a bit more detail about that yeah, well, the thing is, when you're setting up your own business, whether you've got investment to help you or like me, I didn't have investment. I basically just did it on a whim. I had my I, I was lucky enough to have a flat that I sold and that um, allowed me to kind of have some, you know, kind of backing financial backing to give me a couple of months to get going and set up my own business. Um, but when you're on your own, you're you're as a startup, you're usually really small. You might just be on your own or have a couple of people working with you. And cash flow is everything, absolutely everything. You are so reliant on that first client coming in and paying you quickly. But the problem is when you're working with big, you know, corporate giants, like the big brands, they have payment terms that just do not serve or help or support young businesses. So for example, it's, it's very common to have a 90 day payment term. And in some cases, it can be 120 days. So that is like three or four months where you're not being paid. And if you think about it this way, you'd never go into a bar, order a drink, consume that drink, and then say, I'll pay you in four months time for that drink. It doesn't happen that way. That's not how life works. And particularly now that we have, um, you know, inst like digital banking, instant banking, where you can make a transfer. It's, you know, back in the day, I'm sure it was because people would be cashing checks and they need to allow time to write the checks, to then process the checks. And it took time, whereas now we don't have that as an excuse. I do understand that when you're everybody's got cash flow issues, even the big companies have cash flow issues. But I do think this 90 days, 120 days is just something that has to be changed because, you know, literally young businesses can live or die by that. And, you know, you've got bills to pay, mortgages to pay. And if you can't pay that, you, you've got to close your business, you go bankrupt. So um, that is a big challenge and that definitely has to change. No, I completely agree. I actually didn't know that, but that's very, very interesting. Um, I think there's, you're right, there's no excuse and that would kill a small business, especially if you're putting a lot of capital in whatever deal you're putting across. And I want to move on to what you're doing at the moment, which is Ecoflix, which I think is a really awesome new initiative. Um, I've taken a look at it and I think it's super, super cool. Um, so yeah, just tell everybody a bit about kind of what Ecoflix is and your, your role within it. 
Yeah, so Ecoflix is the brainchild of a retired litigator in the States and philanthropist, David Castleman. And he and I were put in touch um, in July, last year, July 2021, um, just do our network, basically. He was looking for a chief marketing officer at the time. And um, and I'd been told about Ecoflix, which is essentially you know, a streaming channel for good. So Netflix, but for saving animals on the planet and giving back. And I was just really inspired by that because my uh, life in film, when I first got into film, I was thinking, you know, gosh, I'm not really doing, this is so superficial, (laughs) Um, this job where other people are saving lives and what they do. And then I realized there were some films that really do change the world. Like storytelling is such a powerful tool to educate, inspire, and, you know, if you think of the likes of films like Erin Brockovich, which is quite an old film now, but it's about a woman who came from the you know wrong side of the tracks, if you like, um, to become a lawyer. And she showed everybody that it's um, that it can be done, that you don't have to go the typical route. And just because you had a, maybe a more challenging start in life, that you can achieve things. And, you know, Erin Brockovich is a real woman who that story is very true. And now she has an Oscar winning film about her life. And I think these are inspiring stories that kind of motivate other people to, you know, to dream and achieve. Um, But then there's other stories like Philadelphia, which again is a really old film. But it's um, it changed the perspective of the AIDS virus and what it meant and what it was. And it really changed how people were viewing it and viewing people with AIDS. So it can these films can be really entertainment, brilliant cinema, but actually serve a much bigger purpose. And so when I found out about um, what David was wanting to do with his idea of setting up a channel like this, um, where NGOs are supported and essentially 100% of our membership fees go straight to our partner NGOs that our members choose. So where we sustain ourselves is very much through brand partnerships. We rely um, on brands to come in and partner with us. There's no advertising on the platform. It's very much about, you know, kind of a power of association and brands helping finance our content and do co-marketing initiatives and events, raising awareness of the importance of animals within our ecosystem um, and the planet. And that's essentially, you know, kind of how we're how we're set up. So it's that just really spoke to me because, you know, the uh, animals on the planet are a big thing for me. It's something I've um, the older I've got, the more connected to nature I've become and the more I want to protect it. So this just seemed like a really natural fit for me. And what's really nice about it is if you remember, I was saying I didn't want to go back into big corporates, um, but working with someone like David, where it's very much his his concept, his idea, but I've come in to help him fulfill that. And so it feels like it's very much entrepreneurial and we're building something together with the wider team who are amazing. And what we've achieved in such a small time together is exciting. And, you know, we've, we're only just getting started, which is which is good. And what's it like going up against the massive giants like Netflix, Amazon Prime, like YouTube even? Well, I think it's that we don't see ourselves. I think when you start thinking that you're at the bottom of Mount Everest, you're always overwhelmed with the journey that you're on and 
where you've got to get to. And I think when you just look at take each day as it comes, you've got to be focused, of course, and know know what the plan is and know what the what the end goal is. But then just getting stuff done, like ticking off your to do list. And then you, it's amazing when you look back. I mean, we've only been live for 10 months. And when I look back at the journey, you're like, wow, we have achieved a lot. But you're so busy just getting stuff done. You can't rest in your laurels and you can't sit there and think, oh, my goodness, we're never going to get there. It's very much being in the moment and just, you know, following the opportunities and, you know, one thing leads to another all the time. You know, you have one call with somebody and that person then has 10 people to introduce you to. Then you meet those 10 people and they have 10 people to introduce you to. And, you know, it's amazing how people, when you've got something special, how many people want to get involved. And that doesn't just mean an NGO or a charity, but if you're an entrepreneur with a great business and a great idea, it's amazing how many people want to get behind you, help you and open doors. Um, and I think that's what's um, humbling and exciting to see the traction and the support of other people, because as an entrepreneur, you might feel very isolated and um, that it's you and the rest of the world. And particularly if you're, you know, kind of a, on your own as one person. I mean, I'm lucky in Ecoflex, there's a there's a team of us. Um, but, you know, I've had businesses where it was myself and there's always people that are looking to help and support who are inspired by young entrepreneurs um, and and want to lend a hand. So you're, you know, it's about finding that tribe to help you. And with Ecoflix, we've got incredible advisory board members that are helping and supporting. So it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting. So you just mentioned your achievements, traction and support that you've received and things like that. Um, and we spoke off air about this, this as well, and it sounds really fantastic. So do you want to put that kind of into perspective? Like, what what does that look like? I mean, it's basically, it's it's all about you. I think one of the most important things as an entrepreneur is your network. And that is about your friends, your family, people you meet along the way in your career. I think you do have to be quite a people person and be interested in other people. And, you know, I'm a big believer in karma, what you give out without any conditions um, you get back in other directions either from the person you've helped or from other people um, and I think that you know people inherently what are kind are kind good people and they've all had career journeys they've all had interesting experiences and they do want to pass that along to the next generation or you know kind of share with their peers and that's basically what happened, has happened along my journey and is what is with Ecoflix. You know, we've got people that we've met, they love what we're doing and they want to be a part of something special. I think there's also an element of that with, you know, um, the momentum that you build as an entrepreneur and as a startup business. People get caught up in the excitement, the difference you can make, what, you know, impact you can have. And so some of the people that we've got, you know, working with us and supporting us, are you know kind of titans of industry um and you know whether that's in the music industry whether it's in conservation you know whether it's in corporate business you know it's all about having those you know kind of really special individuals as to who you're working with and the NGOs that we're partnering I mean we're partnering in NGOs like the Born Free Foundation Will Travers who's an incredible um inspiring person making huge you know fighting the cause and supporting the animals um, all over the world that you know kind of lions you just wouldn't even realize that lions are in threat I mean it's insane there's so much that we don't know and that we need to be listening to people like Will 
um, you know, Ian Redmond, who's actually our head of conservation, he's got the most incredible um, CV and, you know, has worked with David Attenborough and has worked with Diane Fossey, like unbelievable experience. And, you know, he's founded species and he's, you know, just I just learned so much from Ian on a regular basis. Um, And that's that's something else I'm enjoying with this role is the learning. You never stop learning and going into different industries. And I'm now right in the thick of conservation and biodiversity. And I'm learning all the time from some incredibly, um, you know, just incredibly educated and experienced people. So it's yeah, it's I think it's a big part of that is your networks who are you hanging out with? And also it's not about taking from your network. It's about giving, like, you know, you might be young and you might have ideas, but you can always, you know, help people and introduce people to your network. It's, it's all about, um, you know, giving back and not always taking very much about what, how you can give. You mentioned kind of uh, going into a new industry and stuff like that. And um, I think that's probably one of the best things you can do in a career because kind of getting experiences as ma- in, in, in as many industries as you po- as, as you possibly can is is genuinely quite fun. Um, and, and would yeah. you would you have gone into kind of the biodiversity cons- conservation industry if it wasn't for Ecoflix? Or was it kind of always an ambition of yours to kind of almost as a vocation to kind of help the environment? Yeah, it's interesting because when I was younger like you know kind of really young sort of you know eight and nine I was doing loads for charity charity was a big thing and I think it is for kids I think loads of kids love going out and raising money and doing something and making a difference and I I did a lot of that when I was sort of like between the ages of eight and 12 I was always finding another charity to raise money for or put on a dancing display um for another charity so it's interesting because that was there but then I got you know kind of caught up in wanting to be in film and publicity and you know and my career has taken like really interesting directions you to first of all be in corporate world and working with the government working with big consumer brands I've done technology I've done entertainment I've done oil and gas like I've done so many different industries but it's always been with a PR you know kind of slant on it then I get into film and film publicity, which is very different. It's a completely different world from consumer brands. Then I got into the world of film finance, which I'd never done before, but I got involved in that and huge learnings in that. And then I get into, into conservation and working with um, a charity. And I'd worked with charities in the past, but this is actually setting up a charity. Um, and we've now just got our, um, we've now just been, um, accredited in the UK so we're now an established UK charity as well as a US charity so that's been huge learning so I think in terms of like giving back yes particularly in the last 10 years it's been something that's really important to me and working on social impact um but this was an opportunity that came along and sometimes that happens in life you know, you don't really plan for things. I mean, I was always somebody who was very planned, but so many things that have happened have been unplanned. You just find yourself with an idea or, uh, you know, a spark of inspiration or you meet somebody, an opportunity comes along. And I'm a great believer in taking, you know, the, those opportunities. And, you know, and it, when you look back, you're like, oh, actually it all does make sense. But I didn't have the intention of setting up or being involved in the setup of a charity such as Ecoflix. It's just, you know, one of those amazing synchronicities that, um, yeah, was just lovely. 
And from what you've told me, Ecoflix has got some pretty big plans for the future. Yes. So we are um, very ambitious and um, we would we see ourselves being more um, like an Amazon than a Netflix. So we want to have all these different branches to to Ecoflix. So for example, digital magazine, we want to have an eco store, we want to have um, eco travel. So lots of different things that we want to kind of evolve into. But the big thing is when you're in a startup phase is about creating these opportunities so that investors or potential you know, donors or people that want to back us, particularly brands and you know, corporate sponsors, can see the scope of what is possible. But the big thing is about being focused, because if we tried to do all of that at once, um, you know, we would be, you know, you're you're kind of creating a rod for your own back. It's it's hard. It's hard at the best of times. So you want to be focused. You want to be achieve, you know, kind of be able to achieve your goals as quickly as you can. And you can really only do that by being focused. That said, you've also got to be able to pivot quickly. And that's a great thing when you're in a startup. You know, you have a plan. You think this is how it's going to work. A lot of the time you're you're trailing a new path. You know, you're blazing a trail that hasn't been done before. So you don't know exactly how it's going to work. Is this the right idea? Do you have to change? Do you have to adapt? And the key is being able to adapt quickly without being this kind of flustered, you know, kind of, um, you know, just being all over the place. You need to be able to be very grounded, be in tune with your intuition and what you think is working, what's not working and adapt quickly without being hot-headed and reactive. So that's a real balance that you end up having to learn and, you know, a good entrepreneur will be able to, you know, manage that well when they know, you know, something, oh my goodness, it's suddenly taking off in this direction. This is the way we've got to go. Um, without it being, you know, kind of like firing in all directions and being everything to everyone because, you know, you're just, that's chaos and you need to be able to um, be grounded. And, and how are you kind of, um, you know, managing your priorities? Because there's so much going on, like you mentioned, um, an eco store, uh, an eco travel agency, like they are big ambitions. Well, you need to be you need to be really mindful about what it is you need to achieve first. Like you need to make sense of all these different things. There's no point having an eco store and an eco travel agency if our core business isn't thriving. So for us, our number one priority is making sure the channel and our content is on point. And we're also I should have mentioned that we're free to schools. So a big piece of what we're doing is getting teachers on board so they can access the platform for free. And we've got teachers packs to help them navigate the platform really easily so that they know what content matches up with what lessons they're teaching. Um, so it's, again, you know, being being focused and thinking we need to get our memberships up. We need to have eyeballs. We want to have a community. If we don't have a community we can't, you know, sell them other things because they're not there. So it's about working backwards. What is the number one priority that we need to achieve? What's going to attract brands to come in and and f- help fund us and work back from there? And then the other things are nice to have. Oh, it would be nice to have this and nice to have that. And then you build out. But it's very much about being what is the number one priority and figuring that out as a team yourselves or as an individual, if you're, um, if it's your own business, what is what is the thing that's going to get us off the ground? And that's the thing you need to focus on. And in terms of, because you said that kind of the channel is the most important thing for you. 
um how are you making sure that the content that you're producing is like you know top quality um how kind of how are you managing that and creating the best content so we've got an amazing team again you've got to look at who you're partnering so if you're um if you're an entrepreneur and you're you're on your own and you're looking at who you're partnering, you've got to choose your partners wisely. Equally, if you're hiring people, you've got to hire the right people. And we've been very fortunate from the get go to have amazing teams work with us that we've we've outsourced and we've partnered. Um, you know, and also we've got a really great core team that know what we're looking for. And so we have a very distinct, you know, kind of quality control list. So, for example. On our channel, we are all about inspiring, beautiful animal content. So you're not going to find on Ecoflix any exposés about animals being, you know, brutalized or you know anything horrible. Which don't get me wrong, that those are those are powerful films, and you know they need to be seen. But they're not going to be on our platform. Our platform is encouraging people to fall back in love with nature, to understand the importance of nature and the role it plays in you know, turning things around for the planet. So you're going to find, you know, kind of different sorts of content that has that at its base. So for example, we've got, um, you know, loads of um, amazing NGO films where they, they're, you know, capturing their great work. So that's incredible. We've got our own original content that we have different types of series. We've got series about sanctuaries, incredible sanctuaries over the world, over across the world and what they work on. Um, we've got incredible films um, feature films. So we've got The Last Stand, which talks about the ancient um, trees that are being cut down. We've got a film about Free Billy, which is um, Billy, the bull elephant in the LA Zoo, um, who has been, um, has been there for about 30 years. It's a tragic story, but there's so much hope because actually David, um, who is the chief exec of um, Ecoflix, he had rescued Kavan the elephant from Pakistan Zoo along with Cher. So there was a really big um, kind of um, team of people that wanted to rescue Kavan because the problem that people have and something I've learned about actually since being at Ecoflix is about zoos. I didn't realize that not zoo, all zoos are the same and you know there are different types of zoos, but in the main, zoos are not the places for big animals and big mammals. So elephants, giraffes, hippos, rhinoceroses, any of these um, large animals should not be in a zoo. They're too, they, they need huge amounts of space to be mentally sound and physically sound. And the problem with both Kavan and Billy was they were in zoos where they are on concrete floors. They have not got enough space. They can see beautiful flowers and beautiful plants that are not in their their compound, if you like, but they're for the for the benefit of the public. And so they're being teased every day with these um, things that they can't get. And Kavan was rescued, moved to our Ecoflix sanctuary in Cambodia, the Cambodia Wildlife Sanctuary. And Kavan is now a completely different elephant, totally happy, upbeat, you know, and living his best life. And that is possible for Billy as well. So that's kind of what we're trying to show people that there is hope and there is, um, you know, you can make a, you can make a difference. All of us can make a difference. And so that's a really powerful documentary about Billy's story and Kavan's story. And we still need to rescue Billy. We still need to get Billy out of the LA Zoo. Um, but it's it's a work in progress. 
So there's lots of different content. So getting back to your question about content, I just love all our films. That's the thing. It's there. They are amazing. Um, but we've got podcasts on there, lots of different types of, of content. But at the end of the day, we know what we're trying to say. We know what we want our content to do. Um, and we're just acquiring and, you know, and we're very lucky we get, you know, films donated to us um, as an obviously as a nonprofit. We are we certainly do not have Netflix budgets far from it all our budgets we want money to go to the ngos that's why we exist but we're obviously using film to inspire people to see what is possible and to get people to change their behavior think maybe a little bit more differently about what they're doing about their choices and um, it's certainly not lecturing it's just inspiring giving people ideas and finding out more basically so um yeah the content for us is is so important one thing that really impresses me by what you're doing and what you're saying is, you know, your mission, vision, values and purpose, you know, they're, you know what you're talking about and they're so strong. Um, and do you think other companies who maybe are a bit more flimsy on their kind of mission, core values, etc., should kind of try to narrow down on them because that's when, you know, good things happen? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think this is where when you're a startup and you're an entrepreneur, again, you're maybe ahead of the game with this because, you're starting out and you've probably come up with an idea that hasn't existed and you've realized it's needed. And that is what your vision and mission is, is why am I doing this? Why have I had this idea? Where was the gap in the market? And so you are naturally probably living that. When you're a company that's been around for a hundred years, the problem is the likelihood is the entrepreneurs who founded that company are long gone. Now they might have still family members that are involved, but essentially the people that came up with the idea and believed in this product so much and what they were want, how they were wanting to make a difference, they are no longer involved. And I always think it's about going back to those core values. Those core values should never change. That is what you should be building your brand on. And so for us with Ecoflix, we know exactly why we're doing this. This is, you know, David is wanting to leave a legacy and help and play his part. And that is, that's incredible. And that is what everybody that's around him and around our team has the same, you know, the same instincts and the same ambition and goals to do that too. So when you are an entrepreneur at your beginning of your journey, usually your vision and mission is clear. It's when, and that's when you're authentic. You're here for a reason. This is, it's not made up. You're doing something, you're putting, whether it's an investor putting their money into something, they're they're financially backing, you know, what their 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 vision is, or whether it's you personally, you know, backing yourself and what you believe in, that's authenticity, that's real. But when you're a big company and you suddenly think, oh, let's jump on this, this is cool, everybody's talking about this, that's where problems occur because it's not real. So it's all about getting back to why are we here? Why are we doing this? Why are we selling these products? What's the point? And when you get back to that, that's when you you know reconnect with your values. It's really interesting you say that. I mean, a company like Burberry speaks to me immediately. You know, they started out making waterproof coats for World War One officers, I think. Um, and kind of where the, where the business has evolved to, they took a hit a few uh, quite a while a few years ago now before the current CEO. Um, because they kind of weren't in tune with their mission, their values. What the original Mister Burberry, I can't remember his first name now, 
what is original what the original Mr. Burberry like wanted. Um and now this is a question, my last, my final question. This is a question that I ask to everybody who comes on the show. Um if you could describe a good or successful entrepreneur in three words, uh, what three words would they be and why? Okay, so I would say resilience is definitely the first one. You need to be able to um stand stand firm stand firm with your idea is going to take longer than you think it's not going to be the journey that you think it's going to be and you just need to be able to keep going keep going and keep going and keep going and don't stop um that is um absolutely number one number two passion you've got to have passion and believe in what you're doing and believe in yourself um, and that passion is what's going to connect with other people because they're going to that that's what helps people back you, help you, support you because you need a team. I don't believe that entrepreneurs can do it alone. They need people to believe in them. And that's what that passion is, what people buy into. And then the third thing I would say is be in flow. So, you know, just when doors open, go through them, trust your intuition that's all you just go be going with it and taking one day at a time so um and enjoying it that's that's what I would say being flow kind of incorporates a lot of things but I would just say yeah you've just got to go with it and um sometimes it doesn't make sense at the time but it does later um whether that's a year later 10 years later it does all start to make sense so um yeah just go with the flow so those are my three things amazing well thank you so much for coming on the show it's been great talking to you lovely thanks sam absolutely no worries thank you so much for listening to this episode of the enterprising gen z podcast if you have enjoyed it please feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening from and a five-star written review if you're listening on apple podcasts also make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button and i'll see you next week with another episode bye for now